I am not one of those people that says our bodies will never be the same in a negative way. I mean, you have literally been transformed into the most powerful version of yourself ever. <laughs> you gave birth, period. I'm going to leave it at that. Welcome back to Mostly Balanced with Carly and Mia. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so excited for this episode with Brooke. Yeah, so we have never explored this topic before. Brooke has founded a workout program for pre, during, and postnatal. So all types of workouts for you to do when you're trying to conceive, while you're pregnant, and then when you're adjusting and like getting back to your routine before you're cleared to work out from your physician. Yeah. And a lot of interesting things for people who aren't even thinking about having a kid right now. Also, just talking about different trends and exercising and different workouts that she recommends and doesn't recommend and the importance of the mind-body connection and all of that. So neither Mia or I are pregnant or having kids (laughs) right now at the moment. And it was still really interesting. So highly suggest listening through. We hear a lot of fun stuff at the end too. And she lives in Boulder, Colorado, but she gives a couple recommendations for different fitness places in the city that she likes. Yeah, Brooke was really cool. I really liked talking to her. And it was like, even though you just said neither of us are pregnant or planning to be anytime soon, it was still such a great conversation to have. And I think it would be really helpful for anyone who is in that position, like our friend who is my neighbor in this building. I was telling her all about the Bloom Method. And I think she's going to sign up. And definitely going to listen to the episode because it was just so much information that anyone who is in that stage of their life could benefit from. That's so fun. I always forget that you guys live in the same building. I'm so jealous. Yeah, I've been cooking her dinners all week long. And really? Just I, I feel like that's like when you have a baby. So one of our best friends lives in my building and she just had a baby a couple of weeks ago. And I think that's like the best thing you can do for someone who just gave yeah. birth is just drop off food. What have you been making her? Well, Dan kind of stole the show and made meatballs and sauce the first meal we gave them and they were obsessed with it. I have since made the enchilada pie that's in Rachel Mansfield's cookbook. That's like a simple staple. And tonight I dropped off the banh mi bowls. So like pulled pork and rice. Wait, you have like this secret life where you're cooking dinner for Jess. You didn't even tell me. (laughs) I didn't even tell you. (laughs) Yeah, I've been cooking for Jess. Dropping off the baby. I haven't like held him. I've seen him from a distance and he's so small. He's so cute in pictures. Oh my gosh, I'm so <laughs> jealous. I need to get a negative COVID test right away and come to Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, we're not allowed to see the baby until we get COVID tests. So we've just had this like awkward interaction where I drop food off at their door and like, look at how cute the baby is from six <laughs> feet away. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I thought it would be fun for people who might have started listening in the past couple of weeks and found us through the last few episodes to just kind of give a quick little rundown of Mostly Balanced. So we are best friends who met, I guess now six years ago, right? Maybe seven now. This year has like flown by. (laughs) Six years ago at the start of the podcast and didn't really become like very close friends until about three or four years ago. And then we became best friends and started traveling together and just really bonded over our love for fitness, wellness, but also pizza and ice cream. And like, this is why we came to the idea of mostly balanced because we both believe in living a life that's balanced and don't 
really restrict and just love to learn everything about wellness, but still keep a balanced state of mind. So the idea for the podcast came to us, I guess, in 2019. And then 2020, we really decided to put it into action. And we were really getting ready to record our first episode right before everything with COVID happened. And we almost kind of put it off because of that. But it actually ended up being a silver lining of these past... 10 months or however long this has been going on because we've been able to continue to have these conversations with each other, but also with so many amazing guests. So this is our, what, our 39th episode? Yeah, this will be yeah. 38. Yeah, so this is, <laughs> I guess, Thank you, Jack, anymore. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, we've had over 30 guests and we've recently started also releasing a mini episode every week on Thursdays. So Mondays, we release new episodes with guests that are a little bit longer, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. And then we have shorter Thursday episodes that are for now just us talking about topics that are relevant in our lives or in our community's lives, things that come up, people request topics or questions. And yeah, those Thursday episodes have been so fun so far. We did two and this week there'll be another one, but it's just fun to get both of us on here and just kind of chat and you guys can get to know us better. And yeah, it's been really fun so far. Yeah, we always say that things that we used to talk about so much, like we used to G-chat when we were at work, sitting at our desks, like bored and just wanted to talk about the things we loved. And that's how we became friends, like through relationship advice to each other, like talking about the fitness classes we were going to. We just felt that the things we talked about and came so naturally to us and we were interested in hearing each other talk about would be relevant to other people. So we decided to bring it to a podcast format and... Yeah, we love the Thursday episodes. We've been talking about a lot of relationship topics so far. So that's what I love to talk about. And I don't know, we'll see where the mini episodes go going forward. But right yeah, now, and we I have love so the... many guests that we've recorded yeah. with recently and are recording with February is just like a packed schedule with so many people that we're excited to share with you guys. So it's going to be a really fun few weeks. And obviously, always feel free to connect with us on Instagram. We share a lot about our podcast about the different episodes coming up and then also recipes we're trying, food we love and different things like that, our work, favorite workouts and everything. So feel free to send us a message. Let us know what you think of the podcast and of course, rate and review it. But yeah, in the intro, we just like to chat about what's going on in our week. So before we get into talking about the new things that we're trying, I really need to address the fact that I put up a poll on our Instagram for... Yeah when I was watching Sex in the City reruns, asking who people were team Aiden big. And then I also just threw in a couple of Carrie's other boyfriends on there. And I'm astounded by the results. Did you see them? Did big win? Aiden won, but by like only a few votes. Big was so close to winning and I'm so confused by it. I get it. I have to say, yes, because I think if I was going to vote, I responded to Carly from my personal Instagram and I said, no one, because I I don't like any of them. But I think if I had to guess, it would be big because I understand the draw. I understand the appeal. I understand like every time I watch it, I hate him more. I mean, now as I'm older and wiser, I like get why big I hate him and I just like hate their relationship so much. And I hate Carrie so much and that whole dynamic. But I get it. Like I understand why big's appealing. I understand why like the big figure would be appealing dating. Why? Like, I don't know. I just I get it. I have to say I get it because Aiden bothers me so much. I just he was like too nice and I just didn't. Oh my god, I love Aiden. He was but so nice. <laughs> ideally, Aiden is like the perfect man. 
Yeah, I love he how, like, no one voted for Burke. So hot. I think like someone even voted for Alexander. Someone ended up voting for Berger. I think that oh, they really? both got like one vote and then Big and Aiden were just like obviously winners by a landslide. But <laughs> I was shocked. I honestly thought that it was going to be all Aiden. So I don't know about all of you big voters out there. Really confused. Feel free to send us a DM and explain yourself. I because I really it. need an explanation. <laughs> I don't know if I can verbalize it, but it's just like something about big he's like powerful and like dominating and like yeah he's an asshole but like a lot of women are like drawn to that type of behavior yeah but (laughs) go back and listen to our toxic relationship episode (laughs) that is like the definition of a toxic relationship yeah for sure (laughs) well so getting into some things that we've been trying so this week well actually so We've talked about it a little bit on here before because we had Elizabeth and Dale from Sweats in the City on the podcast. And a few weeks ago, we talked about how we were both trying the Sweat with Sweats platform. And I've been trying a couple new classes on there. Probably like since they started, I've tried at least one new class a week, which is so cool. It's just really fun to have some guidance of classes to try because there's so many new classes out there. I always take recommendations from friends and this is basically just like doing that. So I tried City Sweat with Megan McFerrin and it was so much fun. And I did it on demand also. So it wasn't as fun as it would be in a live class, but it was so fun. It was like cardio sculpt dance with like stretching mixed in too. So it went by so fast. I think it was a 45 minute class and she used to be a dancer. And then she stopped to start her own company called City Sweat, which is all different workouts. And it was just so much fun. I loved it. And she has such fun energy and she's so upbeat. So I actually ended up signing up for a free trial for her platform, which you can do if you find her on Instagram. We can put it in the show notes. And she has... I think it's a week-long free trial. And then she's also doing a February... I think she's calling it like a February self-love challenge. And it's just kind of like a workout challenge for February. But she gives you like a little calendar to follow and she does live classes every week. So I'm excited for it. It's just fun to get into a new workout and see like the little community that these different instructors have. Cool. I like how you did it on demand because you know how I feel about appointment Zoom classes. So yeah, I definitely I like the Zoom. I said I loved it with Salt Drop because it was so fun to like see Dino and have Dino see us. But I'm definitely the type that likes to just put on my workout clothes and work out whenever I want. So I love the on demand platform. And that's also fun. I was laughing that you found a way to talk about Dino in today's episode, too. Yeah, I find a way to talk about (laughs) Dino a lot. (laughs) But yeah, that sounds great. I've been loving the Sweat with Sweats platform too. They have so many great instructors. So definitely want to try out more. Dino is coming back on there, I think, next week. Yeah, tonight. If this comes out Monday, he's on Monday. Oh, yes, tonight. Oh, okay, so hopefully everyone listening, go and take Dino's class on the Sweat with Sweats platform if you're a subscriber. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, definitely. But my new thing I'm trying, I feel like I always talk about beauty products because moving to Brooklyn... I used to live on the Upper East Side. I used to, you know, like when stores were open, I'd go out and I'd go into like real stores. Now the only store at my disposal in walking distance is Sephora, the place that I'll like get up and go on a weekend and go shopping. So I tend to go there and like pick out a few things that I want to try. And I needed to get a new hair serum to put in prior to blow drying because I blow dry my hair a lot. If you followed me here or heard about my like love for washing and blow drying my hair, I 
do it every couple days. My hair gets too greasy. I just love the feeling of a shower, like full shower. So I definitely try to use products that will protect my hair from the heat and blow drying and curling irons, even though I don't use those as much. But I've been using the Olaplex number six hair serum. So it's actually kind of like a cream. You put it in from like the nape of your neck down to the ends and it protects from heat. So protects against all your blow drying or other hot appliances and also defrizzes and just like replenishes and restores your hair. So I've been loving it. I'm pretty picky with hair products because I'm pretty used to what I use. And my hair does tend to get like a little oily. But I really liked this. It's light. It's like a nice, even though it's in a kind of cream lotion feel, it still goes on light and I don't feel like residue or heaviness after I dry. So I've been using it for a couple of weeks now and I really like it. And it's one of Sephora's clean products. I feel like I'm always on here talking about Sephora's clean products (laughs) because I go there pretty frequently. But Yeah, I like it. And I like that they have a ton of all hair products that seem great. People rave about them and cute packaging, nice results. I like it. I do like their packaging. And I feel Mm -hmm. like heat protectors are so important. It's like eye cream. Like you don't really see a difference right away, but it's obviously more preventative. And if I was blow drying my hair at all right now, I would definitely need (laughs) one. But it's funny. I was actually going to ask you if you've just been ordering stuff from Sephora because I feel like so many of the things you've been trying have been from Sephora, but I didn't realize there was one so close to you. Yeah. There's one within 10 minutes walking distance and I go there all the time. It's like my big Saturday out is walking to Sephora. (laughs) (laughs) I actually did go to one by me, the one in meatpacking recently. Yeah. I never used to go to Sephora. It's like simply because it's the only store nearby that's nice to walk into and like get out of my apartment. Yeah. I was walking through Soho today and it was so weird just like being in an area where there's like shopping and stores. I feel like this city feels like a different place. So when I go to an area I haven't been to in a while, I'm like, oh wow, like this still exists. People still come here. Well, indoor dining will be opening soon. Yeah, I'm excited. It's actually, I mean, I don't, I mean, I say I'm excited. I don't know if I'll even like go, but I feel like it's just a step in the right direction. And I'm so happy for all of the restaurant owners that are able to have more people than just the outdoor dining. And yeah. it's so funny that it's Valentine's Day that opens. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling Dan, well, I was talking to you, I was texting you simultaneously. I was telling Dan like how much I just miss going out. I just miss getting dressed up. You said you miss wearing heels. I just like want to put on a fancy outfit and go out to a crowded restaurant and just drink a cocktail at the bar. And then Dan said, indoor dining's opening on Valentine's Day. But then didn't say anything else. But then I looked <laughs> but then I looked over at his phone and he was on open table. So I'm feeling like we might be going out to dinner on Valentine's Day. Oh my God, Day. that would be so fun. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I really do miss wearing like heels and like I just want it to be I hate saying this because I like enjoying every day and being in the present moment, but I honestly just want to fast forward to like summer and hopefully knock on wood, so many more people are vaccinated and we can just go out and wear skirts and heels (laughs) and just sit outside at a New York City restaurant. And I just cannot wait. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to dress up a lot when COVID's over. I was always the type to never wear jeans and always want to be in leggings or athleisure, but now I just want to get dressed. I want you to say wear... jeans like it's dressed up. <laughs> well, jeans is dressed up to me. <laughs> I prefer anything comfortable. I always thought you didn't wear jeans because 
they weren't dressed up enough. No, they're just too fancy. Oh, <laughs> that's so interesting because you always wore like blousey pants instead and that's fancier. I think I felt like jeans were uncomfortable, but it, I then grew to love them a little more. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this episode. I think it's a great one and I'm very excited for the next few weeks to come. And as always, find us on Instagram at mostly underscore balanced. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review or even just a rating. I know you see it right there, those stars. (laughs) (laughs) Click on them. (laughs) Yes, please. It helps a lot. But we know you'll love Brooke. She is really cool, really fun. You'll learn a lot. We love this episode. Yes, enjoy the episode. Welcome back. Today, we are here with the CEO and founder of The Bloom Method, which is the number one pre and postnatal fitness app. We're so excited to have you. So welcome to Mostly Balanced, Brooke Cates. Thank you, ladies, so much. It's an honor to be here with you guys. And I am super excited to connect and chat about all things pre and postnatal fitness. We're so happy to have you here. And like I was saying before we started recording, this is a topic we haven't talked too much about on the podcast. So we're really excited to get into it. And I think maybe it'll be helpful just to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, where you grew up and what you do now. Yeah. So myself, I am, like Nia said, the CEO and founder of The Bloom Method. We are a pre and postnatal fitness methodology that about two and a half years ago took our brick and mortar fitness studio concept online as the first ever pre and postnatal fitness studio kind of feel to an online platform. And I'm a mama and I have a husband. I've been with my husband for 16 freaking years. Wow. Um, An amazing 16 years, but I just never thought I would be that person that would meet my husband at 20 years old and still be with him. Wow. And we have a two and a half year old. So my previous self, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I one day was in the shower because all good things happen in the shower, right? And I had (laughs) probably been... I think I had been doing this work for about two years. And all of a sudden, it just hit me like a ton of bricks that my previous self always said, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I was constantly just like a seeker of joy. My dad would always refer to me as the the free spirit of the family. And I realized in that moment in the shower that I had gone to college for exercise science and childhood development. And I didn't know what I was going to do with those two things. I just knew that both of them interested me. And my mom used to always go, what are you doing? Those two things do not make sense at all together. And there I was several years later, two years into this newfound love of mine, the Bloom Method, and realized that I had gone to school for the exact thing that I was doing both childhood like I because I kind of work with the babies in this like weird way by working with their moms and then of course the fitness and exercise component side of it so I mean maybe it sounds a little negative to say I was a drifter for a long time but I was I just sought out joy and I would do things that made me happy as far as work and then I found this work or I like to say the bolder woman in me would say that the work found me I actually didn't find it at all Wow. That's so cool that you majored in both of those in college. It's the perfect marriage of what you're doing now. That's amazing how that worked out. 
Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? The universe has funny ways of doing things like that to us. Right. Yeah, I feel like some people have such a clear vision of exactly what they want to do. And then some people, like you said, it finds them based on just doing what you love to do. So that's really cool. And it's such a great path. And I like what you said about how you kind of are working with the babies from working with their mother. Yeah. I just help the mamas be healthy. So in turn, because they're carrying the babies, that helps the babies as well. That's awesome. So when you started the brick and mortar studio, was that in Boulder? And how long ago was that? It was. So, oh goodness, you're going to challenge my timing. I believe it was about three and a half, four years ago. We had the brick and mortar studio for two years, but within that the end of that first year, or maybe the middle of the first year of opening the brick and mortar studio, we also decided to start filming content to take it online. So it was kind of this big marriage of both opening the brick and mortar studio, and then almost at the same time deciding that we were going to bring it into an app concept. And then two years later, so having the brick and mortar for two years, I quickly realized after launching the app that I wanted to kind of run with the app concept. We do all of our own in-house filming. We have a film studio in downtown Boulder. So we film content with our coaches and myself all the time. And that's really where I knew that I could help more women online versus in a brick and mortar studio in Boulder, Colorado. So I made the decision. My little one was like nine months old at the time. And I made the decision to close the brick and mortar studio so that I could focus all my energy and ultimately create more balance, right? Like I wanted to do what I loved doing with the Bloom Method, but I didn't want that to sacrifice me being a mother. I waited until I was 37 to be a mom. So it was really important that when I became a mom to Levin, that I was a really present hands-on mom to him. And the app allowed that space and that balance to kind of come to fruition. So yeah. What was your fertility journey like? Um, well, my first thought is it was easy. My husband would say if he were here that we did not get to practice enough, right? I think <laughs> the men always like to say that, but we got pregnant. We said we were not, not trying for a while and quickly got pregnant. We lost our first baby at, I think I actually lost the baby around between eight and 10 weeks, but I... I was going to have a home birth. So I wasn't getting the early ultrasounds that most women do if they have a hospital birth. And so I didn't actually find out that I had a miscarriage until the night after I finally announced my pregnancy on social media. Oh no. I woke up in the middle of the night, was bleeding. And then my body actually went through three hours of labor. It was crazy. And so we lost that baby. And then I allowed my body to heal for three months. And then we started to not, not, try again at three months and were pregnant that month. So my fertility journey was easy as far as getting pregnant, but there was a bump in the road, you know, with the miscarriage. And I often tell women that because sometimes women will go, Oh, I'm so sorry you had a miscarriage. Are you okay to talk about it? And I'm like, we need to talk about it. It's such a stigma that women have miscarriages and then feel like they have to go inward to themselves and deal with it and heal from it. And they don't have a safe space to talk about it because most women find that when they start talking about it, almost every single woman they know has experienced a miscarriage. So it's very common. Great. Thank you for sharing that. I know many women that have had miscarriages and it's truly 
truly devastating and discouraging, but it's so refreshing to hear you normalize that and encourage people to talk about it because rather than, like you said, go inward, you realize that you could probably share your experience with a lot of women and take some positivity out of their experiences and that camaraderie helps. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I always say that there's a silver lining that exists in everything that challenges us. So it was a challenge and it was definitely hard to get through in those first couple of months. I mean, it's crazy. And until you go through it, you don't really understand how devastating it truly can be. But just like with every tragedy that I feel like we experience as humans, there's always beauty that exists within that tragedy. We just have to look at it through the right lens. So, yeah, it's like that. You have to feel it to heal it kind of thing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And so what did your recovery look like for that? You said you gave your body time to recover. What did that look like from a fitness standpoint? Fitness was interesting. So knowing what I know about what the body goes through, even in those first 12 weeks of pregnancy, I did not do really anything for the first month postpartum from the miscarriage. I would do a little, you know, little things, but not anything that the average fitness person would be doing. I wasn't going to fitness classes. I was doing some rehabilitative work with my core and pelvic floor. Some people probably hear that and go, but nothing really changed in your core and pelvic floor. And while that is true, I knew that there were things internally that had changed. And when I naturally labored from the miscarriage, it was so traumatic that I also personally felt that there was a level of trauma that I needed to honor in that month to month and a half postpartum if I wanted to be prepared to have another pregnancy because it's not just about the physical there is such an emotional and mental component. Regardless, if you give birth to your baby and then you're moving through the postpartum period or you experience a loss early in pregnancy or later in pregnancy, there's so much trauma that our bodies can hold onto. And I wanted to do the best that I could to move that trauma so that it wasn't placed on a subsequent pregnancy. At the time, I didn't know if we'd get pregnant. So if we were to have another baby. Right. I love that you really honored your body there, gave yourself the time and really healed yourself mentally and physically. And when you think about fitness and exercise, especially pre, during and postnatal, I really only had thought about modifying your workouts, modifying your routine when you're actually pregnant. But of course, doing so much more research and seeing what your platform offers women, I'd love to learn more about the prenatal process and how fitness can play a role in getting your body ready for this experience it's about to have and this whole area that I never really considered. Yeah, we typically will refer to that section as the trying to conceive or the preconception stage. It's actually always been a passion of mine to try to get women to simply adopt certain techniques, right? I don't ever expect a woman to be like, okay, I'm thinking about having a baby or I want to have a baby in the next six months. So I'm going to quit going to these workout classes that I love to do and pushing my body and I'm going to dial it way down and completely readjust my fitness routine to prepare my body for pregnancy. In my opinion, that's a really unrealistic way to approach preparing the body for pregnancy. I think it's more about honoring the fact and understanding that your body is going to change significantly, primarily in the core. That will also affect the pelvic floor. Most women don't even think about because aesthetically, we don't think about the pelvic floor being affected. And then, you know, depending on the woman 
thighs, butt, hips are also going to change pretty significantly during pregnancy. But I was preconception for six and a half years of the creation and implementation of my method. I did not have Levin until I was already a brick and mortar studio. And my evolution of creating the Bloom Method and implementing it and allowing it to evolve to where it is now started with one-on-one clients. I worked with one-on-one clients for four to four and a half years. And that's all I did in that first period of my business. And then due to the demand of clientele, both local and globally, I opened the brick and mortar studio, figured how to turn it into group fitness, and then put it into an app. So... I saw firsthand the power of implementing certain core-based techniques, breathing techniques. It's typically like the breath work that leads into this new level of how we teach women to connect to their core, whether they're doing a super simple exercise that is done either later in pregnancy or really early postpartum, or taking those same core connection techniques and applying them to the hardest plank variation that you've ever done in your life. The power that it has in both preparing the body and then 17 years down the road of doing the hardest beach body class, if that's your jam, it's life-changing from a movement connection perspective and then truly allowing any form of fitness to be more results-driven than it ever was. And I've heard that time and time again in my work. Women who have never had a baby, who may be years away from being pregnant, will say to me, how in the world did you just make this plank harder than any instructor ever made it with a simple tweak of telling me how to connect to my core and how to breathe and stay connected to my core for the duration of the plank? So I felt it firsthand and I know how it made my pregnancy journey so much easier because I was able to prepare the body for the changes. And then I also believe that it made my postpartum so much easier. So I always put the power back into the individual. That's what made me start the Bloom Method was empowering women. But it's... Do you want to make your life a little bit easier? Or do you want to feel like you're having to climb a 14er during pregnancy and postpartum simply to feel like yourself again physically? Yeah, that's so cool. Sometimes even having instructors just tell me like which part of my core to think about and to focus on, it changes the entire, like you said, the entire plank. It's so different from me just like getting on the floor and doing a plank and like, la la, not thinking about anything. But if you're actually making that mind body connection and knowing what to focus on, it can make such a difference. It really can. And I think for some people, it can be challenging mentally because we are so conditioned from a mainstream perspective. There's almost like a lack of intentional movement in mainstream fitness. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just like fitness gives instant gratification. So over the years, I feel that your average, clearly not all, but your average fitness instructor has been taught that they have to deliver a really hard fitness class with minimal talking, minimal cues, and it's all about motivation and making you sweat and your muscles burn. But if we have to take 150 fitness classes to see results... All of us would choose, well, let's take 15 fitness classes before we see results. We're always going to take, not necessarily that it's easier because moving with intention is going to bring up its own challenges, 
I mean, it would be lovely to say none of us do exercise to get results, but that would just be us lying to ourselves and everyone else. Yes, I move my body because it helps me move stress and it helps me break through boundaries and it can sometimes lift up my spirits and it from a health perspective, it's incredible. There are all these really positive, non-physical, aesthetic ways we move our body, but we still have to recognize that we still want results. No one goes to the gym and is like, I don't expect my body to ever change. So how can we be more effective? And so even though the bloom method is very much pre and postnatal, and of course, trying to conceive and preconception niched and focused, it is a methodology that for the past eight and a half, nine years, so many people will be like, you know, that you could make an entire other business out of this so that men and women who never want to have babies could benefit from you. And I've always kind of laughed it off and said, yeah, but then I wouldn't be passionate about that. So I show up where I'm passionate. And that is in the period of women's life when often that empowerment is ripped away from women and they often don't have that empowerment, we want to give that empowerment back to them. I love that you said that so well about having mindful workouts and a class that I've been taking so regularly. I feel like you always hear instructors say like, go faster, go harder, more reps. This was one of the first classes I've taken where he says, go slow, do not go any faster than me. It has a very mindful approach and you kind of reframe exercise. Of course, you have an end goal, but it's also about your mind tuning into yourself and making those changes more positive. Absolutely. Both of you ladies are in New York. And one of my favorite, if people are like, but where can I go? Where can I go to get a similar workout that stems from intentional movement that Bloom would give me? I always, always, always refer people to Legree Fitness, which in New York City, it's SLT. So it's all about very slow, fluid movements. And they'll often tell you the slower you go, the harder it is. And it's such a beautiful methodology, in my opinion, that really provides the more mainstream individual. It shows them the power of intentional movement and how it can be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Yeah, I love running, but I used to always be training for a race and training for a half marathon, a marathon. And people would say, oh my God, you must be in the best shape ever. But then I would go to a class like that and I'm like, I cannot do this at all because like all I was doing was those like intense cardio. Like I wouldn't feel like I worked out unless I was drenched in sweat at the end of my run. But now doing more like intentional workouts, I feel like I see way more results. And you kind of plateau and stop seeing results when all you're doing is heavy cardio, but you can do the same core workout every day for three years. And it just gets harder because you just keep doing that same like mind body connection. So obviously we'll get into how like different workouts you do for pregnant women and everything, but specifically for pregnant women who maybe weren't even in a regular workout routine before getting pregnant and being pregnant kind of inspires them to start working out. I feel like it can be difficult for them to know kind of what to do and what not to do because so much of the advice that you'll read or hear will say, just don't do anything that's more than what you're used to. But like, if you're not even used to working out, then how do you navigate that? Yeah, that is actually such a great question. I typically, in regards to what we offer on Studio Bloom, what I tell women is that the foundations of our methodology are for anyone. Because the beauty of our core-based foundations are that you can literally sit on the couch and just tap into your core. So for someone who is really, really concerned about, well, my doctor told me not to do anything that I wasn't doing before, and I 
wasn't really doing anything. I was living more of a sedentary lifestyle. I typically will tell them or my team will tell them, our core foundations will at least give you something. They will teach you how to diaphragmatically breathe, which that diaphragmatic breath will aid in helping your baby. It helps in stress levels. You can take that breath into birth. So it will guide you throughout your birth process. It helps to build the relationship between the deep core and the pelvic floor. And then there are also more isometric core-based exercises that we teach within our core foundations that also just consist of you literally sitting or lying or sitting on your knees, coming into child's pose and using kind of a mixture of the breath and muscle contraction-based techniques that build the endurance component of the muscles that you're trying to strengthen. So that would be step one for someone who's really, really concerned. And then I also tell people we have beginner, intermediate and advanced classes classes in Studio Bloom. And we also have express classes. So for someone who's like, I really want to move my body. I know the benefits of movement and exercise for both me and my baby. I love that you're a runner because we often refer to the birth marathon because it is so much like a marathon that an athlete would train for. In fact, there's a stat that I like to quote that the average woman in labor expels three times the amount of oxygen as an avid runner in a marathon. And when we... Isn't that amazing? When we know a stat like that, we go, we need to be preparing and training women for birth so that they have better birth outcomes and they feel more in control and empowered during their birth. So I tell women to start small. If you're concerned about it, I also always tell people, show your doctor our app, show them our website, do whatever you need to do because we always want to be in alignment with what the doctor is telling each individual because every pregnancy is different. But It is rare that a doctor says, no, you cannot do this app. But our express classes are great because they range from anywhere from five to 15 minutes. So someone could come in and start small with a beginner five-minute class and then slowly work themselves up. So I just tell people to start small. Yeah. That's amazing. I feel like I have so many questions about your <laughs> all of the programs you offer, but one being what are some misconceptions that women have during pregnancy in terms of their fitness and what types of moves should you not be doing when you're pregnant? Yes, that is another phenomenal question. So the first misconception that comes to my mind, it is definitely a misconception. I also refer to it as an outdated guideline. And that is that we still will get emails to this day that a woman is saying, hey, I just joined your app. And I noticed that you guys do a handful of exercises where you have pregnant women lying on their back. My doctor said this is not safe. Or I researched it on Google and Google said that this is not safe. (laughs) And my response is always our bodies are never going to let us harm our baby by simply lying on our back. It is true that some women, a small percentage of women will lie on their back and the vena cava can be compressed, but that is often due to the baby's positioning and depending on how pregnant you are. So in my line of work, I've been doing this for almost nine, nine and a half years at this point, I'm starting to lose count. 
Even when I had my brick and mortar studio, we had these like square pillows that we would offer to women if we were like doing a glute bridge or any type of exercise where they were on their backs. And I would say, if you get lightheaded, and we say this in some of our workouts, if you get lightheaded or dizzy or feel uncomfortable lying on your back, simply take one to two pillows and prop them up under the top of your shoulder blades up to your head and just give yourself a slight angle. And that will eliminate any potential of placing unwanted pressure on that vena cava But ladies, in the two years I had my brick and mortar studio, we had like three to four women who chose to pick up the pillows because the majority of women will go, Brooke, I still sleep on my back. So it's a guideline and a misconception that just, again, I always come back to this. It removes the power from the individual. Why are we constantly being told, don't do this when we don't actually even know innately in our own bodies if it's okay for us to do. There are women who are birthing babies in third world countries in rice fields. Those women are not being told not to lay on their back. Those women are listening to their intuition and they understand that if they listen to their intuition now, it is going to make their motherhood journey so much easier down the road. So That's the biggest misconception that comes to mind that I really wish the medical community would reevaluate that guideline and make it a little less black and white because then it would just give the power back to the individual. And then as far as exercises that women should stop doing during pregnancy, I don't love to tell women not to do certain things during pregnancy because I think that takes power away from Mm -hmm. them. But we have got to stop doing full unassisted pull-ups during pregnancy. Just stop. (laughs) Who's doing that? (laughs) Tons of women. (laughs) And they love to showcase it on Instagram because they're so proud of themselves. And I love that they are proud of themselves. And I want to ride that self-love energy wave with them. But if you are doing kipping pull-ups, which is typically a CrossFit move, they're unassisted and you are 38 weeks pregnant. And every time you pull yourself up on that pull-up bar, your core is doming down the midline. And it looks like your baby is about to eject out of the middle of your Oh my God. (laughs) Doing this, you're just making it harder for yourself. You're continuing to do an exercise that is placing so much pressure, intra-abdominal pressure on your connective tissue that you are literally injuring yourself to maintain an exercise that doesn't actually serve you. So there are ways to keep doing things like pull-ups and just place a resistance band at a place on the pull-up bar so that you can actually use that resistance band. So you stand on the resistance band and you use that heavy-weighted resistance band to give you a little bit of support so that you can continue to do things like pull-ups. Jumping exercises is another thing that I see done a ton on Instagram. I tell people that I have to go onto Instagram sometimes as an expert with blinders because everyone thinks that they have the right to tell millions of other women how to exercise during pregnancy, even though they don't have a degree or a certification. And they're literally telling a 38-week pregnant woman to do jump squats. And while I do believe that you can jump successfully during pregnancy, if you are not being given any education around how to connect to your inner core unit and your pelvic floor during a jumping exercise, it's kind of like with the pull-ups. You are often 
oftentimes probably placing so much downward pressure because you're jumping, you have the work of gravity pulling you down as you jump and land, that that downward pressure is being placed so much repetitively over and over again on your pelvic floor musculature that that is one of the reasons that years ago, CrossFit put out this article and no shame to CrossFit. I work with tons of CrossFit athletes and love what they do, but I don't love what they chose to do about this article. They basically said that if you pee yourself during jumping exercises, et cetera, that it's okay. Just put on a pad. Welcome to motherhood. And what we're missing is we're not actually telling women that they're just not being educated properly. So you can continue to jump and you can continue to do things like your pull-ups, but do them with proper education. Understand why you're gently modifying them so that you ultimately support yourself better and heal better and then return to exercise and those harder moves that you know you can scale down to simply scale back up in a safer way. And then last but not least, your crunch is just let's stop doing traditional ab work during pregnancy. It's not really <laughs> not going to help anyone. I was going to make a joke about how now I want to be pregnant so I don't have to do pull-ups or jump squats or crunches again, but I'm not doing them anyway. So it doesn't, doesn't matter. But, so you've given such great advice about your physical body and the effect that some of these exercises can have good and bad. But how about your hormones? So what's like, sometimes people will say when you're trying to get pregnant, if fertility is an issue, maybe you should scale back on the high impact exercises and you're working out too much or something like that. So what are your thoughts on that topic? Yeah, I agree with that. I do think that sometimes women can really be pushing themselves to a place that just isn't supportive from a hormonal perspective if they're trying to figure out why they can't conceive naturally. And again, I typically just tell the individual, if you really want to get pregnant and it's really important to you to get pregnant and be a mama, then you have to weigh what's important to you, right? Can you scale your workouts down? And like you said, just not let them be so intense. I actually think that blood flow to the uterus and to our ovaries can be incredibly helpful when trying to get pregnant, but how far are we pushing ourselves? Are we going beyond that anaerobic space? Is this someone who runs marathons, so she happens to be running a ton, and then the only workouts are HIIT-focused workouts that are really pushing her to her limit? Can we scale that back, give our body a little bit of honoring, I guess, and just dial it back a little bit so that you can try to figure out what could be going on with your hormones. So yeah, I, I'm fully on board for that. But I definitely don't think that it serves women to completely stop exercising also. That makes a lot of sense. And it's, again, just getting in tune with your body and understanding what will be best for you. So I love that. But we talked a lot about the prenatal conception time your pregnancy and your effective workouts and what to avoid. But I'm curious about now post-pregnancy and also when someone subscribes and is a member of your app, do they stick around much longer after giving birth? Do you offer coaching and workouts that they could stick around forever regardless of their place in the pregnancy journey? Yeah. So... Postpartum. Postpartum is tricky. I'm going to try to say all of how I feel about the postpartum period and the lack of support women get from a medical space. Again, 
It is not because I am anti-Western medicine. It is my belief in that our OBGYNs and doctors are so busy that they don't have the support they need and they are not able to refer out the way that they need to. So who gets hurt in that situation? The mama, the individual. But postpartum, it is really important for women to start reconnecting, re-strengthening, and even rehabbing their body, specifically focusing on the core and pelvic floor, postural things before that six to eight week checkup. So it is notorious for women to believe, I just had a baby. I don't do anything for six weeks. I go back to my OBGYN my, or my midwife at six to eight weeks, usually it's six weeks, and they're going to clear me for exercise. And that's oftentimes what happens. So here we have a woman whose body drastically changed for anywhere from eight and a half months to nine plus months if they went over their typical due date. And then they did nothing for six weeks. And now their doctor has said, sure, go back to exercise. That woman could be going back to Orange Theory. Again, when I throw these names out, I love all of these methodologies, <laughs> but Orange Theory is intense. And if those coaches don't know how to support that woman, if I just painted that picture of how our body changed, we gave birth. I often tell women, you gave birth. I don't know if you realize how intense and traumatic that is for both you and your body and your baby, but it's a traumatic thing. You have a wound the size of a plate in your body, you have to let your body heal. So while I believe that the first six weeks postpartum, it's really important to rest and to not overdo it. I also believe that we have to be preparing ourselves for that six week clearance by our OBGYN. Because if you're that woman who really wants that instant gratification workout, you're not gonna be patient with yourself, which look, no judgment. But if you're not going to be patient with this slow, methodical, intentional return to exercise, and as soon as your doctor clears you, you're going back to Orange Theory or you're going back to CrossFit or turning on your favorite Beachbody program, you have to even more so, it's even more important for that woman to have used that first six weeks postpartum to reconnect with what does her core feel like? Can she even engage her core properly? What does her pelvic floor do when she engages her core? Is she leaking? Is she peeing? Has she she even been tested for injury-based diastasis? What is going on? Because she could just make her journey back to fitness so much harder for herself if she doesn't prepare herself properly. So we have a program in Studio Bloom called the Fourth Trimester Rehab Series. And it's literally a six-week rehab series that is safe enough to begin day one postpartum. And sometimes I say that and I feel like I hear this audience of women behind me go, oh, <laughs> I am in no way insinuating, nor does our six-week program insinuate that we would want a mama to give birth and the day after she give birth to hand her baby to her partner, roll out a yoga mat and start exercising. <laughs> the first entire week, and we tell people you can stretch it out, but the first week into that second week of rehab is all about very gentle reconnection circuits. And we weave in both audio and visual education for these women to do without leaving their baby. They don't have to leave their bed. They can nurse their baby and practice the things that we want them to do in those first two weeks. And then in week three, we get a little bit more serious and we have them roll out a mat. And then 
then everything is progression based. So what we're doing is getting them to really tap into their body and meet their body where they are with these really smart, intentional progression based exercises that ultimately prepare them for their return to fitness. So that's a big one. I think women really need to start honoring their bodies more than wanting to be on this really quick route to, you know, quote unquote, getting their body back, which is such a negative thing to say and to even think because our bodies will never be the same. We carried and birthed our children. And I am not one of those people that says our bodies will never be the same in a negative way. I mean, you have literally been transformed into the most powerful version of yourself ever. (laughs) You gave birth, period. I'm going to leave it at that. If that doesn't land with someone in a powerful way, then I don't know what else to say to them. But that's my big one. And then do I wish that people would stick around and continue that intentional journey with a program like Studio Bloom? Absolutely. Because I know the power of it. I know they're going to get better results. And I know that in a year, when they go back to whatever form of movement practice they love, that they will say to themselves, I am so thankful. I progressed my fitness the way that I did. And I did a more specialized methodology because my results speak for themselves versus someone who may not honor that. They go back to that more instant gratification fitness. And then they're having to come back to someone like the Bloom Method one plus years postpartum because they're not seeing the results or they're still peeing themselves or they weren't peeing themselves. And now all of a sudden they are peeing themselves. So there's a million things that can show up. But I think if we would just all come back to honoring what our bodies actually go through and take the steps necessary, it would be a totally different journey. And in regards to how long typically someone is on our platform, it really depends on the individual. We have women that are truly, when I say repetitively on the platform, meet yourself where you are. Stop being ego-driven and worried about modifying. If you honor yourself and you modify an exercise, chances are you're working harder in the modification and getting better results than you would be if your ego allowed you to not modify the exercise. But typically a woman will stick around for about six to seven months postpartum and then she spreads her wings and goes back (laughs) on to whatever she loves doing. And to me, that's a win. I actually, when I created this methodology, my heart and my vision has never been, I want to retain these women forever. Do I want them to come back in their second and third and subsequent pregnancies? Absolutely. But a win for me and my coaches and my team is that, Studio Bloom served its purpose and it provided women with such a newfound connection to their body and exercise that they are seeing better results than they ever saw. So basically we like up-leveled their fitness game for them. And that's what I want. So the six to seven months has always felt great to me. And so when we run our data with our app and we find that the average woman sticks around for six to seven months, I'm like, that is such a big win for me. And some women stick around. We'll have women who will renew their yearly membership and they'll stick around for a year. And I honor that too, because I think that woman is really doing the work. I get a little bummed when people like do the six week program and then they're out of here. I'm like, Ooh, we could have taught you so much more, but I honor that. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool though. You're sending these women out there like in so much better shape than they would have been if they hadn't found you. And you've clearly built such a successful app and such a successful destination for these women. 
right now I, I can't get that image out of my head of a wound the size of a plate. I mean, <laughs> it's really that one really stuck with me. But I loved that whole description and kind of that whole thing about honoring your body, but also at the same time not feeling like you just have to like sit there for weeks and weeks until you're cleared to quote work out. Yep. So that's really cool. I want to hear more about how you balance being an entrepreneur and being a mom. This is my claim to fame with balance of motherhood and being an entrepreneur. Know your strengths and know what you are passionate about within those strengths and run with that. And then find people whose strengths are your weaknesses so that you don't have to show up in areas that you're not passionate about or that you're not good at because that just takes up time that you could be showing up in another area of your life. And I love that so much because it doesn't just pertain to an entrepreneur and a mother trying to find balance. It's really for all of us. Find your strengths, let them shine, and then surround yourself with people whose strengths are your weaknesses. And then everybody wins. Everybody's happy. So I run my business in that exact way. There is not a single person on my team, my coaches, my internal team, anyone who is part of the creation behind Bloom and making Bloom what it is. We all do what we love because we're all a happier human collective when we can just do what we love to do. I love that. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But this was so great to hear about your story of creating your program, all about your app and services, how you're empowering women every day. But we always like to close our episodes focusing a little bit more on you, asking you some fun, lighthearted, personal questions. So Carly, do you want to start one? Yes. And I agree. This was so fun. I feel like I still have a million questions, but we can always do a part two. So for now, Mm -hmm. we're going to turn it on you and hear more about you personally. So what is one must-have quality for you and a significant other? Friendship. Easy peasy. My husband is my best friend. I mean, I am deeply in love with him. I still look at him after 16 years across the room sometimes. And I'm like, how are you? How did I get such a sexy man? You are so (laughs) sexy. I love him. He has... So many incredible things about him that I could do a whole podcast interview just about my husband, but friendship, because when everything else fades or when life brings up challenges, if the friendship is there, then that's your foundation, right? So it'd be friendship because then you can love that. And you met him when you were 20. That's crazy. And we might take you up on that. Relationships are our favorite topic. So we could do a whole episode just on that. Oh, I'm game. I love it. Our love story is quite unique. So um, it's fun. But yes, we met when we were babies. Yeah, that's amazing. But yes, we joked today, season two of Mostly Balanced will be our returning guests focusing on relationships. So I love it. I love it. What is one food you can't live without? Oh my gosh. A really good, juicy hamburger. Yum. Like hands down, it's been that way since I was a kid. I've definitely become a lot more snobby in my hamburger place. Like it has to be like local grass-fed beef. You know, I'm one of those. It's fine. You can call me names and a gluten-free bun. But every once in a while, I'll be craving a burger so much and we'll be out to eat and they'll be like, our burger's so good, but we don't have gluten-free buns. I'm like, just give me that gluten. I'll take some activated Mm -hmm. charcoal. I need it. So a hamburger, hands down. (laughs) That is the best answer. I feel like you're so cool. Like you live in Boulder and I knew you were going to say the local grass-fed, you're just just like have this long, beautiful hair. I feel like it's like very, very cool. 
<laughs> I'm not that cool, but I'll take it. And I, I appreciate it. I do typically tell women that I'm a woman just like everyone else. Like I actually just had a client before this podcast and she was like, I was so starstruck when we got on the call and I was like, girl, please, I'm just like you. What are you talking about? Like, don't be starstruck by me. So thanks for saying I'm cool, but I'm not that, that cool. That just I'm makes cool and I was though. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite burger in New York? Oh, yes, this is oh my gosh, but this is gonna like make me sound so privileged and hoity toity. No, it won't. What is it? Bear burger. Ooh, collard green wrap. I had a client out in New York City that I would travel to train in my previous life. I would, this was before baby, and every time she lived near Central Park, and there's a bear burger right there, and I would go there like three times. And then I love Hugh Kitchen too. It's my other. They closed. What? Yeah, they're only just like an online brand now. So that burger was incredible. And their food was so good. I loved their like paleo bacon, egg and cheese. They just Mm -hmm. have so many amazing things. But yeah, that was a sad COVID closure. That's a bummer. So what is the first thing you do when you wake up and the last thing you do before you go to bed? The first thing I do when I wake up is hear mama, mama, mama. So that's the first thing I do. (laughs) And then I typically go downstairs. I do mom things because once you have a child, you realize that you do not matter until your child is fended for, or they will just scream mama at you over and over again. So I get him taken care of. And then I typically make myself a tea or coffee with some of our bloom collagen, of course. And I try my best to meditate. Some mornings, my two and a half year old does not allow that to happen. I'm better at it when my nanny comes three days a week. And what was the other part of the question? The last thing I do at night? It would depend. It depends on what day of the week it is. So my husband and I alternate on putting our little one to bed. And we're so those bolder people that yes, we co-sleep with our two and a half year old. And if anyone wants to judge me, stop right there because it is fleeting. There will be one day where he will not want to co-sleep with me. And it is the sweetest thing ever, but we co-sleep. And so we take turns putting him to sleep. And oftentimes I'm so tired that if I put him to sleep, I fall asleep. So that's fun. That's how cool I am. There you go. (laughs) And if I am awake, it kind of depends. Sometimes I let myself work. Sometimes I honor the fact that I shouldn't work once the sun goes down and I'll listen to a podcast or do something for myself. Nice. And I love that you mentioned your Bloom collagen. We didn't talk about your line of collagens and protein powders. So everyone check that out on the website. But what is advice you would give to your younger self? Mm. I would tell my younger self that you are the creator of your life and that this is going to sound very bolder to some people, especially you New Yorkers, but... I totally believe that manifestation is possible and that we literally can create our dream life. And I've known that for years, but my younger self may have doubted that a little bit more than I wanted her to. And I think that's a really important thing for all of us to hold within ourselves is that we truly, our thoughts become things and that we really can create our life and then look back and go, wow, I did all of this with the power of thought. So that's probably what I would tell her. We totally agree with you on that. I definitely think we're creating the world around us with our thoughts. And that's something that I agree. I definitely wouldn't have thought as a younger person. So now even thinking back, it's like, wow, yeah, I did so much of what I'm living right now. is something that I just thought about years ago. 
Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And maybe that is part of the wisdom that comes with us as we get older is that we can look back and be like, oh, wait, I have always been really good at manifesting. I just didn't realize it then. And now I can yeah, realize it more. Yeah. Now, sometimes I feel like as I'm like reading more about those types of topics and I see younger people participating in these conversations as well, I'm like, wait, how come I wasn't younger when this all started? But like, this didn't all just start. It's just like what you're saying. It's a journey and it kind of works that way that you have to learn it as you go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this was amazing. Thank you so much. We really loved having you. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, they can find us on our website, thebloommethod.com. We are also on Instagram at the Bloom Method. And then our app is everywhere that you can find an app in the App Store, Google Play, all that fun stuff. And yeah, we're also on YouTube. For those people who are interested in what we do, but don't really want to commit to the app, we have a significant amount. I've never been that great about it, but our YouTube channel has free education on it. And our Instagram is all a ton of free education as well. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Brooke. This was so fun, a topic we haven't explored before, and you were the perfect person to chat with. So I'm sure everyone will love it. And thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you both so much. This was lovely. I thoroughly enjoyed our time together. Thank you for listening to the Mostly Balanced podcast. You can find us on Instagram at mostly underscore balanced. And if you loved the episode, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple. And we'll see you again next week for another great episode. 